You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. Presented to you at a special day and time, Saturday matinee. I'm Joe Mays, and sitting here with me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Um, you know, different different day and time for the show this week, different day and time for the game next week. Yeah, <laughs> everything about this I don't like. <laughs> Saturday to Saturday, it's just, not, it's just not good. I don't like well, it. Well, that's like you sent me a text with some... some you know, tell me what you and the family were up to this morning, and it was it was normal fall family activities. Right, normal. And I replied, "That is a great normal fall Saturday morning activity." What isn't normal <laughs> is playing a high school football game on a Saturday afternoon, unless you're why missing. They have it right. built in. Right. That's okay, but most schools don't play Saturday. I don't know, it's been an entire topic this whole off season and. To be honest, I've already like I've mentioned more about it. I, I don't I don't have that strong feelings about it personally, but like No, well honestly, yeah, from a, right. a completely selfish point of view, I cannot wait oh, to yeah. shoot on Willie's camera body <laughs> in the daylight. Right. Cuz just my my god, it, it's going to be phenomenal. Right. I'm already getting better pictures in the low light. So shooting during daylight, I'm I'm very excited about that, but I just don't like it throwing off this week's preparation for the game and then the following week's preparation for the Hempfield game because after yeah. last night's results, that has become an even bigger game than we already expected as Hempfield Black Knights beat Mannheim Township, the Blue Streaks, who we talked about earlier, had beaten Harrisburg. Right. Uh, Harrisburg was currently today beating Cumberland Valley as we started the show last we knew. Um, it, as it, crazy as it is, I think Hempfield has beaten Township the last two years by a score of 17 to 14. It, yes, exactly. You're exactly right. But they were up 17 nothing last night, and the yes. Blue Streaks came back and actually had I, a chance to tie it on a field goal um, that I'm not sure if it was missed or blocked or what right. happened, but know, they yeah. did not succeed in getting the, the, the three points to tie it, and Hempfield ended up winning. And we talked about before this show how absolutely wide open District 36A is. Honestly, I think there's seven teams right now that could say they are should be the favorite to win the the title, which is which is crazy because crazy. you think the field will be eight, right? <laughs> you know, like yeah, exactly. So, and depend, like maybe not. Like there's a chance, depending on how league play goes, some of those seven might be on the verge of not making it. You know what I right, mean? Like, yeah, because because you have. A lot from the mid pen. You probably have a handful from the mid pen that would think they've got a shot. Well, think about including Harrisburg is going to be the top of everyone's list. I know they will have a loss already, but maybe not the top of everyone's list. But they're the reigning champ. But Cumberland Valley, despite you know being behind today, um, you know there's a whole bunch of teams there. You have Central York. Um, York has a couple of losses, but you know they're schedule that they've played and they've been a couple tough losses and they have a bunch of guys, you know, at key positions returning, but then you have the LL Burks that, you know, where you've got those teams. It's yeah, there's going to be a lot of, uh, 
a lot of jockeying for position the second half of the season here, and then uh, kind of taking a look at, at how things will go from there. Now, I know these aren't updated, and this is literally the first time I've looked at these all year. And this is the District 3 football uh, power ratings, the rankings so far. And you, we just heard us say Cumberland Valley and Harrisburg are playing right now, and there have been some teams that have not updated for their Week 5 game. But as it stands, Cumberland Valley is the number one, not surprising, as entering their game today. They were undefeated, and I believe they're the only undefeated team in District 3 6A. Hempfield was next, or is next, and they will should stay there, may even jump to one if Cumberland Valley loses today, although Cumberland Valley is a pretty substantial lead, so I'm not sure how much they'll drop um, once the win or loss are entered there and Hempfield's uh, win is entered. Manheim Township's loss has not been entered. Central York's win is there. Harrisburg is missing today's game. Wilson's win is in there. Um, and I was going to say, my guess is the eight seed or somewhere in the seven, eight ranges are going to end up being someone like Carlisle. And that's where they're sitting right now. Carlisle's at six, but the Bulldogs four and one after last night's victory over Cedar Crest sit at sixth in the power rankings yeah. right now, yeah. um, which would set up a game against Township in the first round. Now, right. obviously there's a lot of football left to be played. Literally half yet. Uh, right. Five games to go. And Wilson gets to play Township and Hemfield, who sits in front of them at the moment yet this year um also uh, penn manor sitting there at number nine at three and two wilson plays them the week after hempfield so wilson's got an interesting schedule the rest of the way right we're what, gonna what's good for our power rankings is that a bunch of teams that we have yet to play are in the top half of those six a right listings. so you win it's going to take care of itself on the other hand half the teams we play or all most of the teams we play are in the top half of the six yeah. power rankings yeah or close to it <laughs> right. and after we'll see when the official you know after week five rankings come out where wilson sits and where the pending opponent sits but huge games coming up obviously this week I, we're going to talk about it but probably don't need to talk much about it wilson mifflin the big rivalry game we are back in shillington this year saturday afternoon one o'clock kickoff the next week hosting Hempfield, who had just beat Mannheim Township, then going to Millersville to play Penn Manor. Which will be the first time we've left the county in a while. In, in, yeah, in like six weeks. Then return home in week nine to host McCaskey, followed by the week 10 final regular season game in Nestville at Mannheim Township, mm -hmm. which could possibly be for the section crown, depending on how things play out the rest of the and, way. And district... And district significant district seating, like so, hopefully not in the same boat as last year, but right? Where you have to win to get where in. We knew there were implications, but we weren't sure. You know, like it would depend on some other things, and it ended up being a win and you're in, you know, and lose and you're done. Um, so hopefully, obviously, we don't want to find ourselves in that situation, but. A lot to kind of sort itself out here over the second half of the season. Oh, for sure. So, um, well, let's dive into the Cedar Crest game right now. Uh, you know, let's do let's do our house housekeeping, house cleaning, whatever you want to call it here, um, and thank our sponsors first, and then we'll recap the game against Cedar Crest. And once again, the Bulldog Hour is presented by May's Sandwich Shop. Let me thank my dad, Bill Mays, for his support of the show since inception way back in July 2015. And also over the years now getting on board a few other people, families, and companies, including Mike Drago and MikeDragoSports.com, uh, who has just been putting out fantastic work over the last year plus now, covering a multitude of games throughout Berks County, and now with the merger with the Lancaster Lebanon League uh, drifting there, and there's a that 
partnership with LancasterOnline.com, you know, Lancaster newspapers, and uh, getting Jeff Reinhardt's stuff involved in, yeah. in this this uh, article share and picture share is just awesome because I saw last night that one of my pictures was printed in the, yeah. the Lancaster yep. Online um, recap of Wilson Cedarcrest. So uh, very cool, and we thank Mike for his support. Also, the Hop family, Andy Her, and our six anonymous donors appreciate everyone's support and if you would like to get on board there are multiple ways you can do that in addition to our sponsorships advertising or the in-kind donations we do encourage you to visit bulldoghour.com as often as possible for everything bulldog hour related everything wilson football related sponsorships or excuse me information and also uh, history and heritage as i like to call it and I am currently working on the 1969 page going over that one. I had done a little bit on it, but that team or that graduating class, I should say, the class of 1970, the football team from the fall of 1969, they are finally getting around to having their 50th uh, reunion because of COVID years kind of pushed everything back. And they're finally getting together soon. So I'm helping flesh out that page for them so they can revisit their articles. And I uploaded all the game film that I had from 1969. So um 1969 isn't the only season like that, so be sure to check out BulldogHour.com for a recap of many, many seasons in Wilson football history, and I will be getting to them whenever I find the time. Uh, but also, make sure you uh, take Justin's advice on all our social media channels. Yeah, like and share, um, you know, and spread the word. Um, it's also fun to hear. It's nice to hear, you know, like after the game last night, you know, some people come up and, and thank us and, you know, do those things and tell us they like hearing this. Uh you know, um, you know, to foreshadow, you know, I, I know they were kind of saying it, to, you know, with, with some humor there, but they, we, we got some defensive guys interviewed, interviews <laughs> coming up today. So like stuff like that, it, it's just fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun to do the show. That's why we do it in part, you know, because, and it's also, uh, nice that it's, it's appreciated. So like, and share when you get the chance. Yeah. Two things. One, I like when our thinking coincides with our supporters and fans thinking, because right. I was like, who haven't we talked to yet? Who haven't right. we gotten on the show since maybe preseason? And uh, we wanted to talk to the four, four guys that we're bringing on. So we have those a little bit later after we recap Cedarcrest. And also, I mean, the Bulldog Hour kind of came about. I feel like the way our regular show, the Joe Mays and J-Raff show came about is you and I would spend Saturdays talking about Wilson football. And I was just like, hey, remember that show from when we were at Wilson? Right. What if we did right. that? Right. <laughs> what if we did that? And, and we, here we are eight years later. We just ramped it up a little bit in terms of like, oh, now there's, you know, the highlights and, and those things. But yeah. the conversation itself um, – was taking place anyway. <laughs> like <laughs> what we would talk about on Fridays and Saturdays is now on this show. And then what we would talk about later Saturday and Sundays is on the regular show right. that we do outside of Wilson football season. Uh, but our, you can catch us here on the Bull Bulldog Hour next week for uh, the 12th episode of season eight, our normal place and time, Sunday, October 2nd at 8.30. So, yes, Justin, October, right around the corner. Yeah. And uh, Well, it, it hit me. So, I you know I, I like to joke about, you know, the columns of, of the schedule and all that stuff. But I was like, man, this was the fifth game. This is week five. Like, we're halfway through the halfway guaranteed through the season. games. Yeah. And, you know, and when you look at the way we have it listed with, you know, basically all of the events, you're, you're – closing in on the halfway point of all of the events let alone the ones you're guaranteed to get man it 
you're you're past that. You're past the halfway of your guaranteed events. It's it's wild. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it, it's. It's Although crazy. I am a fan, I know some people it was co- it was a little cool last night, but I am a fan of the of it feeling like fall now. Oh yeah, absolutely! It was amazing how it almost exactly coincided with yes. the literal yes. <laughs> like arrival of fall, which I think was like nine oh three Thursday night. Someone flipped the switch. So it was like, oh, it's fall, like, equinox. Like, yep. Okay, so cooler yeah. air, a little breezy. Um, all of a sudden, the, the trees don't have any leaves on it. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought was going to happen, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'll keep this. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy with this weather. I know. I know my wife is not. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing your wife probably isn't either. Uh, she, she was like, she woke up today. She's like, it's so cold. And I was like, I was mad because I was in bed before I forgot to open the window last night. <laughs> it's the but best I, part. So like, yeah. windows open. Yep. All right. So Wilson Cedarcrest Bulldogs get the victory last night, and we're not going to waste any time here because it is an odd number game week. So that means that Cam Jones gets player of the game <laughs> um, because obviously he could be player of the game and maybe should be player of the game every week. And uh, he's getting the nod here. No disrespect to anyone else that was up for the award. People that Justin and I talked to last night. Um, great games from a variety of defenders. Um Nick Ricona at the top, yeah. we talked to him. Great game. Landon yeah. Farrell, another strong game. Nick Weitzel, excellent game yeah. last night as well. Offensively, I mean, you can't overlook what Tommy was able to do last night, both with his his legs and his arm, and a, a, a amazing, spectacular catch from Edison Case in the beginning of the third quarter to really stretch yeah. the lead for the Bulldogs. Which is up for... Uh... WFMZ's. It is, yes, yes. Um, um, the big ticket, yeah. um, like, what do they call it? Uh, it's like their version of play of the week. Yeah. I forget what they call it off the top of my head, but yeah. go to 69news.com, WFMZ, and vote for Hunsaker to case for their, um, it's not ticket takers. I can't remember. I what. feel like it's hot something. Hot take? Uh, hot take? I don't oh. remember. Oh, man. Well, you can go vote for yeah. our guys, and we encourage you to do so. So, uh, Cam Jones is the guy again after his performance last night because it was spectacular once again. Triple hot play. Uh, triple hot play of the week. There you go. Uh, Cam Jones, uh, two tackles on defense, but he made a name for himself on the offensive side of the ball last night. All he was able to do was rush eight times for 113 yards and two touchdowns as well as haul in three passes for 54 yards and a touchdown. And his receiving touchdown was electric. He made a great yes. grab over the middle. Perfect yes. pass by Tommy to get it to literally yep. the only place he could grab it. He grabbed it, got hit, refused to go down. And once he spun out of the tackles, right. he was gone down the sideline and made an, a great uh, leaping touchdown catch to hit the pylon. And yeah. uh, I, I don't want to make this sound like, oh – it should have been an easy takedown because clearly it's not. And we've seen that the last few weeks from Cam of like not just making guys miss, but also when they get there, it's hard to bring him down. Um, and, you know, but like they got him up high, tried to like swing him down to the ground and he that's just spun gonna, through it. That's and not like, going to end well for no, you. And it didn't. And he got, what was that? That was probably right around the 30 or so. That Yeah, I think it was him. a 35 yard touchdown. Okay. So. Yeah. And, yeah, it was so probably where he caught it was about the twenty five right, or so, right? But twenty twenty five. Yeah, it was a heck of a catch and run. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna keep talking about the game, and I, there is a game recap, thankfully. So we're gonna play that. Um, we'll see how good it is. I saw that uh, 
generally they have the scores or stats wrong. So ignore those, but let's watch some of the cool highlights. And Wilson went up 8 nothing because on their first Cam Jones touchdown, uh, Cedarcrest, I believe, lined up offsides or jumped offsides, yes. reduced yeah. the, the point try, so Wilson went for two. They got it. Um, you just saw Cam Jones' second touchdown there. Wilson kicked the extra point to go up 15-0, and then Cedarcrest kind of flipped the field, and the Bulldogs had to start deep inside their own territory. But on the first play after that, Cam Jones ripped off a huge run to get it to midfield. Uh, the Bulldogs became a little bit slow in the here's, second quarter, though. Edison's catch. Yeah, there's Eddie's catch. Yeah. Amazing leaping catch. Um, that's me taking pictures. Yeah, down. you got a great uh, one of that one. <laughs> I did. Uh, uh, thanks again to Willie Copeland for letting me borrow that camera body of his because I'm not sure I would have been able to get it without it. So, um, But the Bulldogs didn't look great in the second quarter. Came out really strong. Went up 15-0, two scores early. Let Cedarcrest in it. Couldn't get anything going offensively, but did come there's out cams. then. Watch this. Swing him down. Nope. Nope. Not going to happen. And I don't think anyone really realized that he, like everyone saw that he was engaged with a defender, thought right. he was going down. And that's why we always tell our, we, that's why we always tell our kids that we coach, fly to the football. Do not give up until that whistle blows because you never know what's going to happen. And we saw that in our game where the Cedarcrest, uh, we played Cedarcrest as well. On a punt return, the ball bo- bounced into his feet. No one blew a whistle, even though they told us that we couldn't advance it, which I still say is not the re- the correct thing to, to say because it wasn't muffed it was just bumped but um play to the whistle like, they're not going to flag you if they don't blow the whistle well you would right. think they wouldn't hopefully they wouldn't but that cam jones reception that he turns into touchdown is a prime example cedar crest defenders saw that he was engaged with one of their teammates but instead of going to help him just kind of eased up and you can't do that you cannot do that you've got to play to the whistle so they were, the, they were the major highlights, but like I was saying, Wilson, a little slow in the second quarter. Couldn't get things going, got gashed a little bit in the running game, um, and I know you mentioned to me, and then immediately after the game, the one thing that Coach Doms harped on was uh, the defensive line linebackers, um, especially in the red zone, standing up or getting driven backwards. Mm-hmm. And that, that came up a co- on both of Cedar Crest touchdown drives, uh, issues with tackling or losing at the line of scrimmage, which is not uh, what you can do against uh, good teams. And Cedar Crest hung around because they have they have the talent to do that. Wilson was able to put them away, and that big spark came from Hunsaker to Case with the uh, amazing touchdown grab. And Wilson was able to add a few more uh, scores and exclamation points to get the was a thirty six to thirteen win right. to improve to four and one two and zero in LL Section One with a huge rivalry game against Mifflin coming up this Saturday. Yeah. And like you said, um, you know, they kind of got there and, um, you know, you have the big Mifflin game hanging out over, over your heads. Um, you know, but I, I say that, but you, you heard the guys, uh, this week talk about, they know, you know, last year, Cedar Crest kind of gave them a battle up there. It, it, I won't say the game was in hand, but it wasn't that, they the couldn't outcome. put it away. Right, right. They just hung around. Right. Um, and we talked about that with Aiden Richards last year. Like, he was one-man wrecking crew kind of for them. Um, but they they had the talent, um, you know, on the field. And the intensity or maybe the execution, that the attention to detail was there early. And I don't, I don't know. 
I can't say that it wasn't there, but you know, when you, when you are successful and drive it right down and I don't even know that we threw a pass, you know, those first couple, like we just marched it right down the field. Right. And all of a sudden you're up 15, nothing. And maybe that intensity, even without thinking about it, maybe the intensity is not there. And so it, it was okay. You know, they, they bounced back. They, they did what they needed to do and they got a multiple score victory, right. you know, in, in the league. That's good. Um, you know, I left thinking higher of uh, Cedar Crest than I probably did before the game. You know, I was like, they, they, they were, ba- they were battling. It was a little tough because the quarterback went out, you know, um, but right. And we do want to, um, well wishes to Jay Huber, uh, great uh, quarterback, multi-year starter for them. Got injured on the first series, attempted to come back in the second half, but had to leave once again due right. to the injury. So hope nothing major there, and he can come back quickly because he is a, a a great, great athlete, a great player for the Falcons. Honestly, I thought I thought Custer, the, the sophomore backup, played well. I thought he played in, very in well. Relief. So, All things considered, I thought he played very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, best of luck to Cedar Crest going forward. Wilson's able to get the victory. I'm playing the highlights again because they are some pretty good, pretty yeah. good uh, plays and passes yeah. in there. Um, Aren't you glad that ref didn't come down and block your block your view? <laughs> That's happened far too many times. It, <laughs> it makes me so angry uh, to miss something. I saw like that. someone posting. It might have been on the Thursday night game. There was a, there was a guy, a photographer, who posted. It was like. I had a great shot of that. I thought, you know, and, and then like, you review it. It was yeah. like the ref was there, running yeah, right through. Two thing. things that make me frustrated uh, when it comes to photography. One, it's when the ref gets in the way. Like I, and obviously, I'm not actually mad at them. It's just frustrating. Right, when this it situation happens. is frustrating. The other is, and it's more of a me or an equipment thing. When the focus is off, when I think I have oh, a yeah, shot yeah, yeah. and the focus is in the background, that is so frustrating. That's just something that I get better with as I keep using it and using different cameras and lenses and. Uh, whatnot, but uh, those are two things that are really frustrating. The other thing that's really frustrating is um, when you have a terrible ref in group. Uh, we're not coaches on the high school team, and I don't think that they penalize anyone for for saying bad things about it. But they were awful last night, so it was, yeah, it was. Um, they were bad. Um, and I think the bold underline of that comes in the form of Cam Jones' catch that was ruled not a catch. That was so clearly a catch. My jaw was on the floor when the referee ran over and said incomplete. When he didn't call it right away. No, we were we were over there celebrating because it happened right in front of us, right in front of the coaches, Coach Doms, I believe Coach Palm, a bunch of the players, you know, starters are on the sideline waiting to go in. Cam made a great catch two feet down. You could see the green turf between his toes and the sideline, and they're getting ready to run the next play, and this guy comes over and rules it incomplete. I, I could not believe it. You know how upset Coach Fernser was on Thursday with a yes. few of the calls there right. that were much closer. They were much closer and debatable than the one last night. That I can guarantee 100% that was the wrong call. Right. It was hard for me to – I thought he was in. He was But in. it was hard for me to see because the players are kind of blocked. Like, no, no. I yeah, from your vantage point, right. you couldn't tell. But I was standing right there, and right. unfortunately – the way my lens, I couldn't, I don't have it. Right. I don't have the feet. Close, I don't have the right. angle. Uh, Willie also caught a picture, but it too far. You couldn't, you couldn't see. Right. But when you were standing there, which all the coaches and players were, as well as myself, saw him, we were in awe that he made the catch. It was a great catch. It was a perfectly thrown ball game by Tommy where only Cam could get it. He went up and got it, got both feet down. Again, you only need one in high school. Got right. both feet down and you could clearly see one to two inches of green turf before the sideline, and he ruled 
it incomplete. There were a bunch of like just inexcusable weird things, like weird weird things, which yeah, yeah. It was, it was a poor it was a poor officiated game, poorly officiated game, unfortunately. Right. right. Um, and I know that there's uh, you know, the coaching staff can put in you know just like these are the blow, you know, whatever right, that they right. can, but like, what, what's that going to do? Right. They can't do anything about it after the fact, right. but it's just, it's frustrating, especially right. when something that's clear, it wasn't anything that's subjective and technically penalties shouldn't be subjective, but that was a case that it was so obvious. I couldn't believe that it was missed. Right. And again, we talked about this before it, a lot of times in our games, why would you ever favor an outcome that goes against the team? When you don't know what happened. Well, well, the thing the thing that I fall into, I think, and I see this across sports a lot of times, and I think it's a hard thing to get out of your head in the moment and something you have to practice and just get better at is not calling what you think you're going to see. Right. It, the, throw was, the throw was where it needed to be so that it was away from the defender. But I think the in that instance, I think the official was expecting him to not come down with the catch. And, and so, he, and then he did right. And that's and, inexcusable. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'm, t- I think, I think a lot of times guys call what they think they're going to see. And that's, but like the, yeah. it, it proves to me that he was not either in proper position or was not paying attention because right. it was so obvious. Right. If you were watching the play, I, I, you, I wish I had pictures of the coach's faces right. when he came down waving it incomplete. Right. It was just astonishment like because it was so Five clear. seconds after the There play. was no gray area. Right. It was absolutely 100% a catch. Right. I wonder, actually, I wonder if the YouTube stream caught it because of where the camera is situated. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Um, yeah. Mind, mind-boggling, really, really. Whew. But... Anything else about about Wilson Cedarcrest Bulldogs victory? Um, no, I I feel like they handled their business, um, and we've reached that halfway point though. But you're gonna need to step it up for these next five, you know, um, and hopefully more. But you know, we're kind of getting into a spot here where we're gonna have a bit of a run where uh, there's a there's a bunch of big games coming up, including starting this coming week. <laughs> yeah, yep, huge game, obviously. Wilson Mifflin, I mean, nothing should have to be said to anyone from either team. The The players should be motivated to get going, especially on the Wilson side, after the way Mifflin has dominated the series the last two years. I know yeah. that was in response to Wilson's utter destruction of the Mustangs in 2019. That game wasn't anywhere even remotely close and then the last two years wilson mifflin hasn't been close but in favor of the mustangs right uh dropping 40 plus points both years um really last year i i thought 2020 was going to be the rough one was i think 42 to 7 then last year was 41 or 42 to 14 and really wilson didn't get those scores until late in the game right Uh, mifflin controlled the game once again on in every facet wilson could not get anything going well, we've talked a lot of times on this show where, like, the score was pretty similar, if not the same, for the Exeter and Mifflin games last year. But we had very different takeaways from those two games. You know, like, in terms of the Mifflin game last year, I don't like to say it, but they, they were just a better team. You know, like, they they took it to us. Um, Exeter, I, I 
just felt like a lot of things didn't go our way in that game. And that's the way it goes sometimes. And and some of that is to credit Exeter, but I, I didn't have the same, like, oh, we got dominated feeling leaving that one. I felt like we got a bunch of bad breaks. No. And whereas we've in, talked, the, in the Mifflin one, it had nothing to do with breaks. They just took it to us last yeah, year. We, we, and we've talked about it a lot, both on and off air, that we felt, despite the score, and I know the Eagles would think otherwise. Right. That game was closer than the Mifflin game. Yes. And I feel would have felt better playing Exeter again than playing Mifflin again. Of course, Exeter turned that all on its head when they beat Mifflin in the district championship game. Right. So, um, but it, yeah, a phena- phenomenal, fantastic seasons from both Exeter and Mifflin last year. Exeter's on a roll this year, but we got Mifflin coming up this week and we're going to preview them. Uh, momentarily, but first we do want to get to our player interviews from the win against Cedar Crest last night. So here we go. We're going to hear from, let's see, we got Nick Fiorini, Nick Krakona, Brady Klein, and Edison Case. So let's take a listen. Are you ready? I'm ready now. All right, let's go. Oh, we've been rolling now? All right, here we are post-game after Wilson's latest victory over Cedar Crest. 36-13, 36-13, joined by four members of the Bulldogs tonight, each with a, a significant uh, contribution to the Bulldogs' victory tonight. So, guys, how's it feel to get another victory under your belt? I think it feels feels great, especially uh, to keep this momentum going against Mifflin. Because we know Mifflin's a big week next week, and I know everyone here, we're excited. And, hey, we want to bring that to, uh, we want to bring that, bring that trophy back. So, yeah, it feels good. Obviously, two and zero in the league so far. Keep rolling against Mifflin. Be great. Great win. All right, where do we start here, Eddie? Let's go to you. That was a, a phenomenal catch you made. Uh, what were you thinking as you're running down there to get under that ball? Well, at first I did not think that I was going to get close to it. I just like I had to readjust my route of like a bunch, and I, I I I don't know how I caught it, but I think I caught it with like one hand and like just like. I don't know. I just don't for it. Well, when the ball was in the air, I was like, oh, that's overthrown. He's not getting there. And then it got closer and closer, and you made a phenomenal diving catch. So um, absolutely uh, excellent, excellent job by you. Uh, the only one you got your hands on tonight, but you made it count for sure, but also flying around on defense uh, with a bunch of these other guys. Uh, Nick, offensively, let's see. Let's see, got your stats here for you. Eight for 44 yards. Nice job tonight. Um did they come to you and say you were going to get the, the rock a little bit more this week? Um, They didn't really tell me much. They were just uh, putting me with first team, just getting me as much reps as I could. And then once we got here, uh, I was in for first team Timo, and that's basically it. I just went in. Other Nick, Krakona, senior. Uh, big night tonight, five and a half tackles for you, two and a half for loss, pass breakup. Uh, how did it feel to be out there tonight? It's it's awesome, especially it's my senior year. I get to play with some of my best friends. It's just it's an awesome experience. I can't I can't say how thankful I am for the opportunity. And just it was great being out there. Too. Brady uh, got a little do over on the shovel pass this time. It went to you, and you got the score. I know I know Nick White was a little little upset that that his didn't count, but hey, you got in the end zone contributing to this win. Uh, what did it feel like for you? That was great. That was first touchdown of the year. And pretty big spot. Now Nick's not going to be happy about that <laughs> the rest of the season, but he's on defense. Yeah, right. Well, he got the defensive. So touchdown. all the defensive coaches says you don't want the offensive touchdown. Let's yeah, get yeah. the defensive he touchdown. Needs his yeah, exactly, exactly. So you run over a few guys to get in there. Excellent performance. My last question for you guys. Well, we're going to talk briefly about Mifflin, but my last question is: 
What's it like playing with Cam Jones and the stuff that he can do on a football field? <laughs> it's insane. It's, I mean, it's insane. It's, it's amazing. Like, he just breaking tackles, just finding open gaps, his patience through the holes. It's just, he's unbelievable. It's, it really is. It's awesome playing with him. And he's a great leader, too. So off the field, he's a great leader. He's a great person. He just, he does it all. He, he gets us open because... They, like, <laughs> Everyone's focusing him. on him. Yeah. yeah, you got like half a guy covered. Yeah, it's amazing what he's able to do on in every facet of the game, and he put on a show once again here tonight. Uh, but we know there's so many more contributors, and that's why we want to talk to as many people as possible. Last question here: Did did Mifflin Week sneak into your head at all leading up to this game? And are you glad that you can put this win in the in the uh, rearview mirror and focus on the Mustangs? Yeah, I mean. I was just focused on this week. We got to get past this week first. Now, now we got Mifflin, so we got to uh, come to practice strong and just get as better as we can. And like I touched on earlier, this is great momentum leading into the week because we, I thought we played we played well tonight. Like I said, we, there's some mistakes that were made, but I think this is a good momentum swing to uh, get us going into next week against Mifflin. Yeah, we knew from the time our schedule came out, this game was going to be really important with Mifflin being the following week. Because if we win this game, it gives us a ton of momentum going into Mifflin, which we need to bring that trophy back here. It belongs right. here. The Gursky Lynn Trophy needs to be back in West Lawn. And you, yeah. get that, you get that opportunity uh, in just over a week, gotten to play on Saturday over in Shillington. So, guys, congratulations on the victory, and good luck next week at Mifflin. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we thank... Our four players for joining us. I believe, guys, that we first time we got to talk to them after the game. I think all four of them this year. I think um, so. We'll get to, to that point where I start to yeah, lose track. Yeah, I know. Track I start to forget, to. but I, we're glad to, to talk to the four of them. There's always like a, a large list. I'm like, oh, well, let's talk to them. Let's talk to them. Those, those four jumped into my mind. So we rolled with it. And I think they're good. They're good as a group. That was a good group interview. Yeah. So uh, they each got to perform offense, defense. And uh, obviously, we didn't talk to Cam this time, but I wanted but, uh, to ask them a question about right. him. Right. But I, I do know Paul talked to him. So you can head yes. over to Paul's uh, site and, and check that yeah, out. Yeah, excellent, excellent point. Uh, com. Check out Paul Roberts' interview with Cam Jones. And you can hear what Cam had to say about the Cedarcrest game and the upcoming Mifflin game. Uh, speaking of Mifflin, one person they don't have this year is a guy by the name of Nick Singleton. You may have heard of him. Yeah, we're watching him right now. Right on you, my phone. You said it. You said it uh, last year, and I said it last year that once he's moves on from right. from Mifflin, once Wilson Mifflin ended last year, right? right. I was hey, happy to great. go and keep do it going, what, yeah, bud. Become the best running back in the nation, the best recruit in the nation, which he did. Right. Uh, and then prove it at our favorite collegiate team at Penn State, which he's doing. So uh, it's all good here with uh, one Mr. Nick Singleton. Yeah. Uh, but there's un some unfinished business in the Mifflin-Wilson rivalry that the Bulldogs, especially the seniors, need to take care of this week. Uh, they haven't beaten Mifflin yet. Um, and uh, Coach Dom said last night, they've been embarrassed by their yeah. top rival the last two seasons. I know they wanted to have the chance to go out on top at home, but they'll take the chance no matter where it's played, which will be this coming Saturday, October 1st at 1 o'clock in Shillington for the Mustangs' homecoming festivities. But, I mean, Wilson Mifflin, uh, you should know by now, 
Um, when, when I do the stats here, the Wilson stats book always includes the games against Shillington High School, too. So um, you may see some stats this week from uh, the likes of Mike Drago and Paul Roberts that list things differently, but I don't believe they include those Shillington games, which is essentially the same school. So right. we're going to keep them together, which means that this is the Wilson Mifflin 74th meeting between the high schools. Wilson has a lead 43 to 30, but Mifflin has won. The last two in the series, most recently last year on September 3rd in Shillington, 42-14. to The Bulldogs' last win coming also in Shillington on August 30th, 2019, 61-14. And that was a heck of a game, a heck of a show by Wilson. Uh, but it's all been downhill for the Bulldogs in this series since. Jeff Lang is the Mifflin head coach in his sixth season. Last year, Governor Mifflin was 10-1, and was their only loss in the District 3-5A championship game to Exeter, which is still a, a jaw-dropping, mind-blowing defeat by, by Mifflin. I, I still can't get over what Exeter was able to do last year because just a few weeks prior, Mifflin took it to them. Yeah. And Exeter rebounded in, in a way when it mattered. You know, we always talk about streaks and undefeated regular seasons and things like that. But in the end, what you want is that hardware and those medals. And Exeter is the one that got it last year after shocking everyone across the state yeah. by upsetting Mifflin. Yeah, it, it was, yes, a, a very surprising outcome. So the Mustangs reeling a little bit this year. They're, they're struggling some after losing so many uh, talented contributors Uh Many um, were key roles in that offense and defense, not just Nick Singleton. Uh, but Mifflin did uh, win last night, a big win against Muhlenberg uh, for their second victory this year. Uh, but they are just sitting at two and three. And I know Coach Doms said last night, started to preach about the record doesn't matter when it's your rival. And right. when this Absolutely. game is talked up so much, it does not matter. So you have to take care of business. And it doesn't matter that Mifflin is maybe struggling a little more this year than they have in years past. They're sitting at two and three. Oh, they're going to be ready. No, oh, they'll be very ready. Homecoming at home. They want to prove the doubters wrong. People think Wilson's going to come in and beat them. They they want to prove that that's not the case. So uh, Mifflin started the season with a close loss to Springford, 21 to 10. Springford having a pretty decent year. Uh, as well, you know, former Wilson coach Brubaker down there. Uh, they did, went to Carlisle and got beat up pretty good, 48-14, to 14, before rebounding with a victory at Boyertown, 17-14, to 14, but lost again to Exeter last week at home, 36-6, to 6, but got right last night at Muhlenberg, 42-8. to 8. So, yeah, Mifflin's sitting at 2-3 and three with the Bulldogs coming to town this week. Uh, their, their key guys back this year or playing significant time for them are Aiden Martin, Gerald McNeil, Delson McNeil, the quarterback, Michael Ford, uh, and Braden Reese is the, the go-to guy in the backfield. Um, senior fullback is uh, leading the way. So we know what we're getting from Mifflin. It's, it's nothing new. Nothing has changed. They're going to try to run that, uh, that, you know, that option, that veer. They're going to want to uh, pound it down your throat. And the defensive line linebackers are going to have to stay low, play strong, be disciplined. And, disciplined. Yeah. and that's going to be key. Do your for job. Wilson don't to win. don't try to do something crazy. Don't like you know we've we've talked about players, especially the seniors. You know they've had it taken to them by Mifflin the last couple last couple uh, years. Um, you can't 
get that all back in one play. You know, like don't try to be a hero. Just do what you're supposed to do on any given play and it will take care of itself. But if you go try, you know, take out frustrations or those things that just gets your head in a spot where you sometimes don't do what you're supposed to do. And that's when, especially that offense can, can come and get you like, just take care of your job. Yeah. Do your job. So we talked about, um, Wilson's schedule the rest of the way being very meaningful, very, very tough, but Mifflin, because of their, their struggles at the beginning of the season, they're fighting for playoff positioning right now and, and just the ability to make the playoffs. And they've got, they've got a difficult road ahead of them. Wilson's coming to town this week. Then they got to go to Conestoga Valley. Uh, They do get to host Lebanon, who is not very strong again this year, but then they have back-to-back games against Mannheim Central and Warwick. Right. Now, at two and three, you got to think they need to win four out of five, probably, to get in. I Maybe three of five could get them in, but they've got a definite uphill challenge, a big battle in front of them these final five weeks. Uh, Losing some of these games earlier put them... Uh, again, in the corner for sure. Um, but we'll see what happens with Governor Mifflin. I mentioned um, senior Braden Reese is leading uh, the team in rushing. He's actually over 100 yards per game, 102.7. Um, Delson McNeil remains the uh, dynamic quarterback running that that option, that, that Veer uh, offense that we're so used to knowing. Uh, the one guy you want to pay attention to on defense is Brandon Jones, the linebacker number 11. He's averaging 13 tackles a game. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then I mentioned Michael Ford, uh, the sophomore uh, two-way lineman on defense. He's averaging 12 tackles a game. So, um, yeah, there's some, uh, some, some, some solid players on that Mifflin team that uh, – the players, coaches obviously know, but we want the fans to be aware of, too. Mostly still a rushing offense. Um, they have been going up in the air a little bit more than probably many are used to just because they've been playing from behind in games that have gotten out of hand. But still a lot of strong and talented players on this team. They played they played a tough schedule. It's Springford, very yeah. good again this year. Uh, Carlisle ha- is having a great season. Uh, Springford's only losses are to Cumberland Valley and Manheim Township, and we've been talking right. about those two teams um, all all off season and, and all regular season so far. Um, and Carlisle's only two losses: York, William Penn, and Harrisburg. Right. So um, these aren't teams that they're dropping just because you know they're not shocking losses. They're losses to good teams i mean it doesn't make you feel any better because you got to win the games to make the playoffs and keep your season going but um do not let a two and three record make anyone on the team or in the community think that this is a game in which wilson can just walk in there and win without putting out forth much effort absolutely not so uh, justin you have anything else to say about our rivals no you you pretty much summed it up like it's a rivalry game. Um, they're going to be ready to go. Uh, you need to be ready to to match that. Um, you know, yeah, we're on the road for the second th- straight time. They're going to defend their home turf. It's homecoming. You know, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, a lot different, going on. Very different uh, atmosphere. So be ready to go. Um, and, and like I said, don't try to do too much. Just do what, what you're supposed to do. Do yep, your job. Do your job. And if everybody does that. Um, we should no. be okay. 
right. If everybody does it, it should be okay. And if it's not, well, then what were you going to do anyway? <laughs> you know, like if you give it your best and you do what you're supposed to do, that, that literally all that can, all you can ask for. So uh, we'll have to kind of see how that goes, but yeah, I mean, overall, yeah, I, I think honestly, if you said we got to the halfway point and we're four and one before the season, I think most people would be pretty happy about that. Oh yeah, um, knowing um, the difficulties of the the non league slate and some unknowns out there. I mean, obviously, Roman Catholic kind of was what we thought they would be. Uh, I believe at last I knew they were still undefeated. I, I don't know what happened in their game last night, or maybe they play today. But Roman Catholic, very good. Better than they were last year. Um, with the talent on that team, they should be making some noise down there in District 12. Got the win at Central Dolphin, who, again, that's another team. You can't look at the – if you're an outsider and you look at the, the their standings, uh, their yeah. their record right now, which I believe is one and four. How did they do last night? I'm trying to think who they played last night. I should pull that up. I don't remember who but, they played last night. You know, they've been a tough out for everyone, including Coatesville, who we scrimmaged and, right. and we knew Coatesville looked really good. Central Dolphin lost by a score to Coatesville. Um, so you just, you, you cannot underrate teams just based on their, because everyone's schedule is so different. Right. I mean, how many years have we seen teams from another district go nine and one or 10 and zero, but get blown out in the first round of the playoffs because right. it, the teams you play matter. And that's generally why Wilson wants to stack well, some and, of these big time teams up front in the non-league. Some of the games that we played in our strength of schedule has helped us in those district rankings the last few years, even last year where the record wasn't exactly where you'd want it to be, but we were able to get in, you know, in that spot. Or um, a few years ago when we lost to Mannheim Township, but we were still took the number one overall seed, right. you know, like, yeah, they were not happy about that. No. And having, having that strength of schedule be so tough is yes. It's, it's brutal. Like on the opening night when things aren't going the way you would like them to go, or when you follow that up with a trip to Harrisburg to play central dolphin, like, yeah, sometimes we get asked all the time. We've talked about it on the show. You know, why do, why do you schedule these games? Well, it's to get better. You know, because we're not playing for those August nights. We're playing for those October and November nights. And so. Yeah. And I think the only thing that gives coaching staff and administration pause is it ends up taking up such a physical toll that you lose usually a player or two to, you know, for at least a week or two, sometimes even for more than that. And that can happen in in the preseason scrimmage too. As we saw, Wilson Parkland always was very vicious. Uh, We've lost uh, players for a few games because of how hard that that scrimmage is. But yeah, I'm looking at Central Dolphin and yeah, they are one and four. They lost last night to State College, who's another great mid-pen. And mid-pen is stacked once again. State College is undefeated. Uh, they are five and zero, and are making noise. We don't have to deal with them in the district playoffs. That would be a much farther in the future problem, and it's a good problem to have if you're playing state college uh, in November. But uh, Central Dolphin, they got a tough schedule to go. Carlisle, Cumberland Valley, Altoona, CD East, and Harrisburg. Yeah, Central Dolphin finishes with Harrisburg at Harrisburg on Saturday, October 29th, which is the day after. Wilson Manham Township in Neffsville. Right. So again, we won't know what's going on with the playoffs until later Saturday or into Sunday. Right. Um, I do. I keep saying this, but I do need to pull up my power ratings file and start updating this so that I can start predicting things because we're about two weeks away from that really starting to matter. Yeah. 
At least the projections, obviously, every game matters. But in order for us for to predict what's going to happen or look ahead at what may happen, we need more games to be played. So I would say after seven games have been played, probably after the Hempfield game on October 7th, uh, that week leading up to the Penn Manor game is when I can start looking and say, all right, if these things happen, this is about where I think Wilson will land. And we'll also... One of the biggest games, well, two big games will have passed us, Mifflin and Hempfield, which are very important to uh, what happens with our power rating and our final standing as the playoffs approach. But Wilson 4-1, win over Cedar Crest at Mifflin on Saturday. Um, I guess, by and large, you're looking at the next win whenever it comes should assure the team of a additional year in the non-losing season streak yeah. uh which dates back to 1964 so this would be what 50 is that 58 59 i think, it's, I think, this, I think this would, this would be, be 59. 59 so this would be the next win should give wilson a 59th straight non-losing season two more wins should assure a 46th 40, 47th straight winning season the last non-losing season the last year the team was five and five i believe was 1975 i want to say off the top of my head so yeah all those are right in front of the team one or two more wins and you are sure that this squad isn't responsible for breaking either of those streaks um and wilson streak i believe is one of if not the longest in the state um maybe maybe in both ways however you slice it yeah so, all right. I think that's about it here. Um, we're going to get going here on this uh, Saturday matinee edition of the Bulldog Hour. Appreciate everyone joining in live or joining us after the fact. Again, please make sure you like, follow, subscribe, rate, and review the Bulldog Hour everywhere you can. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have the Joe Mays and JRF show on Twitch. That's where we stream this on Twitch if you watch it on there. Check out Wilson Bulldogs football on youtube.com. Please subscribe there. We're uh, up to like 380 some subscribers. Would love to hit uh, four or 500 this year. I think the more subscribers we get, the more ability to offer other things right. up there, um, especially like simpler, quick, and easy and cheap ways to support the show. We can do like dollar subscriptions if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> but we need the subscribers to do it. So I think we need to get to a thousand. Um, so we're not even halfway there. So if you have a Google YouTube account, please subscribe to us, uh, Wilson Bulldogs Football on YouTube. And again, like, follow, subscribe, rate, and review Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, everything. We're everywhere. You can find us. Uh, but if you do have any requests from us or you need any information or help or just want to hear us talk about something, just let us know. WilsonBulldogsFootball at gmail.com. But Justin, thanks for uh, coming over this afternoon to do the show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will be back next Sunday, October 2nd at our normal time, 8.30 p.m. again on all these places. So until next time, I'm Joe Mays for Justin Raffoff and the Bulldog Hour. We will see you in a week. But until then, remember, go, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program 
on jmnjrradio.com.